Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information regarding New Hope, visit newhopecom.org. Oh, man. You know, we, we've had a lot of words over the years about being an apostolic center, ascending center. But I often wrestle with that one with the Lord. I like sending isn't that fun sometimes. You know, it's painful. It's, it hurts when you form deep friendships. But, but it's so good and it's so healthy to do that. So we will miss you guys. But it is, God's got a lot in store for you. So, All right. So we are going to, before uh, I introduce our speaker, if you have been with us for the last few months, you know we've been kind of embarking on this series, well, actually the last few weeks, called One Another. <laughs> One Another. It might feel like the last few months for you, but it's only been three weeks. Um, but uh, part of the whole thing was the Lord put on our heart that um, a lot of the ministry in life happens through one another, not just through the pastor, through one person, through this leader or that leader, and that's all valid, but we need each other in order to grow in the kingdom. Iron sharpens iron. That's just the way God designed it. If you're not connected into a body, you're missing out because when you get connected and you get plugged in, growth accelerates in the kingdom. So we've been talking a little bit about this whole thing where there's almost 60 mentions of one another in the New Testament. Paul in the epistles saying to love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, even being devoted to one another. Like, I love that. Be devoted to one another. There's no organization on the planet that probably has that level of care that the church should have. Is taking care of one another, being devoted to one another. Um, so we've been building on this theme every week. Joy spoke a couple weeks ago and made everybody cry. And then I shared last week and uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe stirred us up a little bit. Um, but today our speaker is going to be uh, Will LaMonica. And uh, yay, Will. And uh, just kind of an interesting thing, you know, obviously well, some of us know Will and Rachel family joined us from Colorado last, at the end of last summer. Will was on staff at Vine Life Church in Colorado for four years. He attended the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for a year. They've lived in Reading. Um, God has done a lot of good things in their lives over the years, um, and I think he's got something really special in store for us today. So give a nice welcome to Will LaMonica. All right. Is this thing on? Awesome. Good morning. Uh, yeah, my name is Will. Nice to see you guys again. Uh, last time I spoke, I moved this over to the left here. I took this whole thing, I put it right here because that was kind of my thing. And then the next time that Ralph came and spoke, he talked about how weird it is that people in California do. They had no clue that I had just done that the week before. So I'm going to keep this in the middle for you today. Uh, and keep, it, keep, it, uh, keep it organized and centered and balanced. And, uh, but... I'm really I'm excited to be continuing on the one another series and uh, sharing a little bit of my story and and uh, I'm going to be focusing this morning on the bear one another's burden part of the one another side of things because uh, and just explaining a little bit of my story and how I stepped into some freedom and how it was really important for me to to have other people in order to step into that freedom so. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, and we might need a little bit of a strong drink this morning because I'm going to be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, because I'm going to be talking about my journey into sexual purity, and I'm just going to be real candid candid and, uh, and raw with you about how I came out of that, because 
in our culture, what we're talking about is being, uh, bearing one another's burdens, but we need to step into a transparency and a genuine uh, ability to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. And so I'm going to talk to you guys about my story uh, of that. So because, you know, talking about sexuality is something that can get a little bit, um, everybody gets a little bit weird about it sometimes, especially in church culture, but God made it so that every single one of us would enter into this planet through a, a, a sexual act, through intimacy between a man and a woman. So at the core of who you are, you are actually created out of a moment like that. So, and the other thing is that if we can't talk about this, it's going to be difficult for us to talk about a lot of other things. And if you talk about this, it almost opens up every other area. It just, suddenly it becomes easy to talk about everything else. So let's just go right for the root, talk about something really difficult, and then everything else will be a lot easier. Okay? Okay? That's, um, I had struggled with lust and pornography uh, from an early age, actually, and uh, it just kind of carried right over into after I got saved and uh, was struggling a lot with it. And I tried everything to get free. Once that guilt and shame, I mean, it's like before you were saved, it was just normal. And then all of a sudden you step into it, and it's all of a sudden like guilt, shame, condemnation, and you really want to get free because you know that it's not the best, you know that it's not right, and, but there's really not a lot of good answers out there. Uh, there's people will tell you, oh, you're just a man, or oh, you're just, you know, you're always going to struggle with that. You just need to manage your appetite or things like that. And I just want to tell you, too, I'm talking about my struggle uh, with sexuality and stepping into freedom, but you can just take what I'm talking about. I want you to take, if you don't struggle with lust or pornography or anything, take that and fill in the blank, because I believe this message is going to apply to really any place where you're struggling in life. Uh, so just so you know, as I'm talking about this, like, say, if that doesn't relate to you, well, just put, the, put anxiety in the blank. When I say lust and pornography, put anxiety there or put anger there or whatever. But I tried everything, it seemed like. I tried uh, accountability. I tried going to inner healing, uh, counseling. Uh, I read the book Every Man's Battle, which all that book really told you to do is bounce your eyes and, uh, and basically live in a perpetual struggle and run, uh, <laughs> which is, which is, the, which is one, of my, one of my really good friends. He often says that... Uh, that the church model for sexual purity is Joseph. And if you know the story, Joseph ran. Well, he lost the job and ended up in prison. So, and that's what a lot of times we get, is run, bounce your eyes, run, bounce your eyes. But no one's really given us real answers. Uh, and, and I just felt like I was on this never-ending hamster wheel. Like, the life of purity and holiness that God was telling me that I needed to live was this carrot that was being dangled in front of me and I was running on a hamster wheel trying to get it. And, and all I ever heard was, you know, you'll never really be free of that. You're always going to struggle with that at some level, but keep trying. Keep trying to be. It's like, wait a second. Like, so I'm supposed to be holy, but you're telling me I'll never be holy. That's really what I was experiencing. And in the church that I was in, it was really like a, it was, a, it was an inner healing church. That was their main bent. The whole family, I love this family, they were some of the founders of the inner healing movement back in the Toronto days and all that. And, uh, and, and I love the foundation that they gave me. It's not like I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but, but the experience that I had there, they taught me forgiveness, they taught me uh, the need to break agreement with lies and, and replace them with truth. But what happened was that the inner healing focus was so, I was, there was so much attention on 
fixing up your inner self that eventually I got lost and no one was really telling me who I was. So in this, uh, in this time, I, in this inner healing struggle, I, I never really felt like I could get free. I would have these moments where I, it was like months or, uh, or weeks where I would experience freedom and then again I'd find myself falling back into lust or pornography and what I would do is I would then feel so guilty that I would go and confess every minute detail to my wife. And I was in this place where I was on the other side of transparency. Like, most people are hiding this stuff. I was trying to tell everybody. And that was the absolute wrong thing to do. Uh, but it was actually like, I was making my wife a confessional. And it was this spirit of like, I, would, I almost call it like false confession. And it was really not to step, it was for me, I was trying to get the shame and the guilt that I felt off of my shoulders, but I was just throwing it up on other people. And that's why when I was getting through this, I realized accountability is, uh, is really not, accountability is just this big thing of like, have somebody that can call you and sit, ask, you know, have you sinned lately or have you done anything wrong lately? And, and, and you're, you're just confessing your sins with them and they're confessing their sins with you. And it's just, it's all based on actions and behavior, but it's not real relationship. And, uh, and I, I found that the confessions that I was doing was not true transparency. And a lot of times people think, oh, transparency and being genuine, that means confessing sin. Uh, but that's really not what it was. I'm a little bit jumbled right now. So I got to tell you, I, I felt, I know it's like right, breaking a rule and speaking, but I did feel a little bit nervous today because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking about kind of a heavy topic and uh, going after this thing. But I... Uh, as I was going through this inner healing stuff, I never had anybody tell me who I was. And the first time anybody spoke truth to me, I was at a meeting and this guy came up to me and he said, your, your heart is pure. You know, you're, you have a pure heart. And I thought, oh my gosh, who does this guy think he's talking to? Like, do you have any idea the kind of thoughts and the emotions and things that I've been going through? Like, how are you gonna say I have a pure heart? It felt like such a contradiction to the experiences that I was having inside. And, but that initiated a couple year long journey where I began to hear messages and God began to reveal truth to me about the finished work of the cross and about my identity and who I am in him. But because I was so rooted in this inner healing model, it was really difficult for me to grasp that it might actually be true that God sees me as perfect and holy and that I'm, all, that I'm a new creation? Or am I, am I fully a new creation? Do I still have a sinful nature? Uh, you know, what is this? And I started to really wrestle. I would feel almost like a physical agony sometimes, uh, rolling around on the ground between, man, am I, am I already a new creation? Is it a process of sanctification? Uh, or, or is it completed? Did Jesus really take all of that stuff off of me at the cross, or am I still needing to continuously peel back different onion layers and, uh, and break generational curses over and over again? Because every time that I sinned, I felt like, man, okay, maybe there's no, another generational curse I haven't broken yet. I need to go back to the graveyard and start digging around. And uh, I mean, how many of you guys can relate to that? Anybody ever been through? Yeah. Okay, at least I'm connected. Okay. And I thought, oh man, maybe, maybe there's somebody I haven't forgiven yet, even though I've forgiven my dad 80 million times. Maybe I need to try and forgive him one more time. And uh, even though there was no anger in my heart at all, I, the only answers I had was, if you're still struggling, then you must have some kind of curse you haven't broken or some kind of lie that you, or whatever. And it was really, really tough. So 
I would wrestle with this with the Lord, and it was really, it was really painful. And then one night I had a dream where I was with a man, and this man was, he, he started out in the dream, this really unusual dream. It, he started out as a donkey with broken hind legs, and he was hopping around like a rabbit. Talk about a screwed up identity, right? And suddenly he stood up and he became a man, and I began to walk with this man around a lake. And we were just walking. And as he was walking, I had my hand on his back, and I began to speak truth to him. You're a new creation. You're holy. You're righteous. You're perfect. You're forgiven. And I was just speaking the truth to him. And as I'm speaking the truth, he began to get more and more whole and more and more healed until we got to the end of the lake, and all of a sudden, the heavens literally tore open in front of us, just above us. And there was galaxies spinning around, and we went into an encounter with the Lord together, and we're shouting at the top of our lungs, you're a finished work, God. You're a new creation, God. And we're shouting this at the top of our lungs. I get out of this dream, and I look at the man. I recognize him as a leader in, the, in a body of Christ at a pretty major church. And his wife is a major leader in an inner healing movement. And when I recognized that, and we would get to the end of this walk around the lake, and I heard his wife in the house that we had originally left say, you better get in here right now. You're going to mess up your healing process. Meanwhile, I look at him. He is completely healed and whole. I wake up from this dream, and I realize that what I experienced, what God was showing me, was that the inner healing movement had focused so much on process that they forgot to focus on what had already been completed. And it wasn't that there, yeah, there wasn't that there wasn't a process, because there was still that journey where I was with him walking around a lake as a friend in relationship, talking to him about who he truly was. It's just that the focus wasn't on the process. The focus was on the reality of who he was. So I don't want to take away and say, oh, there's no process, because we do take, it does take time to step into the reality of who we are. But if we focus on process, we're going to make too much room for process, and that's what, what you focus on, you make room for. And what you honor will increase. So if we begin to honor what Jesus Christ did for us, yes. we'll experience an accelerated inner healing, and an accelerated, uh, uh, basically it'll activate the new creation that you, you are. So... So this whole time that God is speaking to me about this, uh, this new creation reality it is really where I started to experience breakthrough, but it was, it was kind of a dual, a dual revelation because during the season of my life that God was showing me that I was a new creation and that I literally had not a sinful bone in my body, which is contrary to a lot of common theology. While he was showing me that, he was also showing me what real relationship looked like. Being in a relationship with men and, and, and women and with my wife that was raw, vulnerable, and transparent. And it was like these two facets were what I believe is a synergy to get us into, step us into actual holiness, to walk in, in freedom and what I would call effortless morality. And living, living a lifestyle where we aren't trying to be good anymore, we just are. And when, when I was catching this revelation of being a new creation, how many of you guys ever heard the verse, or ever heard the uh, verse, obviously you have, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Okay. 
So, uh, and have anybody ever heard the, the breakdown between the two Greek words of new? Raise your hand if you've heard the kainos versus neos new. Raise your hand if you've heard this before. Okay. I'm just going to break this down really quick because this, this revelation right here is what I believe is what really shifted everything and changed my life. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. And there's two words for new in the New Testament. There's neos new and there's kainos new or kainos new. Depending on what theologian, doesn't matter. They say, oh, it's kainos. Oh, it's kainos. I don't care. It's whatever. Uh, but there's these two words. The difference is really powerful. Neos new would be like if I had my iPhone and suddenly it just stopped working on me, but it's still really... I don't know what was wrong with it, so I took it in, I got a warranty exchange. I would take it to the iPhone store, I'd give them my iPhone, say, it's not working on me, and they, okay, we're gonna do a warranty swap on this. So they'd give me a brand new iPhone, it would be the exact same iPhone, brand new, fresh out of the box, brand new. Same exact iPhone as my old one, just never been used. That's Neos new. Kynos new would be the kind of new that is so far beyond that which existed before it that it's not even worth comparing it to the old thing. <laughs> Kynos new is like if I walked into that same Apple store and they gave me an iPhone from the future, the iPhone 2000, that not only could I talk on it, but it would transport me to the location of the person I wanted to talk to. <laughs> and, and if I had an ailment in my body, it would tell me where it's at. If I put it in my pocket, it would heal me. You know, that kind of thing. So far beyond like sci-fi style. That's kainos new. And when the Bible talks about being a new creation, it says if anyone is in Christ, he is a kainos creation. It means you're so new, you're so fresh, that it's not even worth comparing yourself to the old you that doesn't even exist anymore. You're not getting just a fresh start. You're starting out as a new person. So, and that, when I started hearing people preach the difference between kainos and neos, that's when, I, that's when something came alive inside. I was like, oh my gosh, you mean... All those old lustful thoughts, all those old angry thoughts, all that stuff that I used to experience, it isn't me? You mean it died on the cross? You mean it's not part of who I am? Oh, it's because as a man believes in his heart, so is he. So as long as I was believing that I was a sinner, as long as I was believing these lies that, oh, you're always going to struggle with lust, you're always going to struggle with pornography, you just need to try harder to maybe, you know, uh, beat your flesh into subjection and, and just, you know, push through... As long as I believed that I was fighting against myself and my own nature, I was never going to win. But as soon as I realized that that's not my nature, that being holy is not just a second nature, it's my first nature. And that, and that as I began to believe that I was holy, I began to experience it manifest in my life. Because as you believe, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. If you believe you're holy, you begin to just act holy. And and that was, uh, that was a major revelation for me. Now, there is an issue here, though, because uh, these two revelations between real, raw relationship and it being a new creation. What I started to experience is that I was so passionate about being a new creation that I didn't want to process any emotions because it was like, well, I'm a new creation. That's not real. <laughs> and... Suddenly, I would start, we'd have, Rachel and I would be having arguments, or, or something would come up, and we'd be like, well, we're new creations, this isn't even real. <laughs> so I'm trying to, like, band-aid, I'm taking, trying to take a revelation and band, slap it on to all the issues in my life, and just basically use it as an excuse. I don't have to deal with anything anymore, because I'm a new creation. And that didn't work for very long. 
and as I'm catching this revelation, I, 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 I was part of this men's group in Reading that was, I, I had joined it when we first moved to Reading before I started getting the revelation of being a new creation. I had no idea that I was joining a group that was the most radical, uncomfortably raw people I had ever been around. And I had joined it because I had been sober from pornography about six months when I joined the group, but the only reason was probably because my iPhone had been stolen and I didn't have a computer, okay? <laughs> Just being really real. That's, so I hadn't, even, I hadn't even no clue about being a new creation yet, no idea what that even meant, but I had just been, at least I was sober. I didn't, wasn't doing anything wrong. Uh, and just a side note, can I just say something like, oh, oh never mind. That would, that's not yet. Okay. So, <laughs> it's like that doesn't connect right now. I just want to say it really bad. And I got to fit it in later. So, the, uh, I joined this group and it wasn't like a 12-step group. It wasn't an accountability group. It was a men's purity group called Purity Pursuit. And the whole model was to get men into a room and get them into a real relationship with each other. It wasn't about just coming together and confessing sins like you know a lot of purity groups. It wasn't about just coming in and uh, doing some kind of program. It was about coming in and getting what, what they would call emotionally naked or getting completely raw. And the reason that I use the word naked is because it's about being willing to be embarrassed and to share the deepest places of your heart and the secrets that you don't want anybody to know. And it was deeper than confessing sin because that's easy. You can come and you, could, you can just confess, oh, I did this last night, or oh, you know, I, I had this sin problem or that sin problem. But what the group really was going after was getting men to get in touch with the emotional side of our hearts where we could say, yeah, I feel lonely. Or, you know, I, I miss my dad. You know, I'm feeling like emotional right now, even just saying stuff like that. Because, and I would watch men say, I'm lonely, and literally break down and cry. And the leader of the group, I mean, some of his quotes have changed me forever, Im- impacted me. He'd say things like, it's relationships that hurt us, and it's relationships that heal us. Uh, he would say things like, Jesus died naked on a tree, and bore your shame so that we could live naked and unashamed. And, uh, and, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the stuff, you know, this is, this is where I want to live. I want to live naked and ashamed, unashamed, like, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And he would talk about the need to live, to live drunk, because when you're drunk, you don't have any inhibitions. You just say things, you know, and, and, and being filled with the Spirit is what he was really talking about, and just being willing to just talk and let things out. And I was, I was blown away at... Uh, at the way that this group processed that. And it wasn't something that was like, you need to be in this group forever. It was really a training ground for how to have real relationship. And it was in that place that, as I'm getting this revelation of being a new creation, and I'm understanding that all the old things about me have died, but yet, as I'm experiencing real-life struggles, I'm still having a place where I can process that with people. And I realized that the more I opened up, the more I was processing what was happening inside of me with people who were not going to judge me, who were going to see me for who I truly was, that also had a revelation of identity, that's when I began to know, okay, the more I open up, the more I let the light inside, the more I step into this realm of no secrets and nothing hidden, the deeper the truth of God and who I truly am can land and take root. Mm, and, 
And, you know, and, and we like, I just want to say this too. As I was talking about the inner healing stuff, that stuff never really went away. It was just it shifted from focus on process to focus on who we truly are. And I believe like the Sozo program we have here, that's really the heart of it. And coming and just being able to share what's going on in your heart and then have someone speaking truth into those places where you're being transparent. And that's where, that's where real power happens. So are you guys tracking with me yeah, right now? Okay. Absolutely. Let me just see where I'm at right now. Um, so just to sum up where I've been so far is I started to get a revelation of being who, who I was in Christ, being a new creation, and doing that in the midst of real relationship. Because a revelation outside of relationship just becomes religion. But, but on the flip side, if all you have is re relationship, but you don't have a revelation of who you are, then you're just going to be processing the same old dead emotions for a whole lifetime. So you might be really raw and transparent, but you don't know who you are. And no, neither does that person. So you're just stuck. We need both. We need to know who we are, and we need to have real relationship. And these two things, are like a, it's like a power force. Yeah, that's good. So with that one another theme, what is our responsibility as believers? And I broke it down into two things. It's to share and to bear, because we're going to bear one another's burdens. In James 5, 6, it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. That's what I experienced in this group was we would sit around in a circle and we would share with each other and they would keep it timed. It was like they would almost have awards for who could be the most uncomfortably raw and, and, in five minutes. And the person that said the most shocking things, not like sinful things, but the most shockingly raw things, We'd have a reward. We'd hand it out. Like, oh my gosh, did you just say that? Like, I need to go deeper now. And it, it, it's like, how, how, scary, how scary can we really get with each other? You know, that's really like, it, we would talk about journaling in a way that if someone ever found it, it would, we'd be ruined, you know? And, and that's how we, we were trying to share with each other. I want to share with you in such a way that if, if anybody ever heard this, I would be completely destroyed, you know? And and getting to that place where we're just willing to just lay our bloody guts out on the table and then have someone say, I know who you really are. I know who you truly are and love us in that place. Yeah. That's where things got real. And it was like, oh my gosh, now, okay, I've been able to share my darkest secrets and I still feel loved. And this person's still telling me I'm amazing, still telling me I'm awesome. That's, you can only know how loved you really are when you're willing to share the deepest, darkest stuff with people. Now, like I said, in my journey, I started out sharing stuff way overboard, okay? <laughs> so we have responsibility to share, but it's important to be like, okay, how do we share then? Because you can flip the pendulum anyway. You can be like, I'm a new creation to such a degree that you never talk to anybody about any of your problems because you're just this person that thinks, you know, you got it all together and you're trying to live out of this revelation. Or you can swing it to the other level and you're like, I'm so jacked up, I'm a sinner, and I'm just going to talk to everybody about how messed up my life is and be emotionally transparent. Is that, does that make sense? Okay. So it, uh, in Proverbs, there's this verse that says, a man of many friends comes to ruin. And I believe that can happen in, in those two ways. Either you have so many friends that you're not able to go deep with anybody, or you're trying to have, you're trying to go deep with those, all those friends, 
and it's just not working out for you very well. And there's multiple times in Scripture where you have Jesus and his inner circle, and you have, uh, you have David and, and his, his best friends and his mighty men, and you have these things where you realize, okay, there's certain people that are in their inner circle that they're sharing these things with, and they're, they're going to those places with, and they're not going there with everybody. It's our responsibility to share because the scripture right there, it just says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. I think that being willing to be embarrassed and being willing to be hurt when you share these things is going to be important because no one's going to be perfect in their response all the time. And there's a good chance that you might be misunderstood when you start to open up and be transparent and raw about things that you've never shared with anybody before. But this is really the only path to you stepping into true freedom and really knowing who you are and knowing how deep that you're loved. I would recommend getting with people that are mothers and fathers in your life. And if you don't have a mother and father in your life, you need to find multiple you don't want one person, you don't want to put all your mother and father baskets, eggs in one basket. Because that's not, no one can handle that. You don't want to put that on another person. You need to have multiple mothers and fathers in your life. You have multiple brothers or sisters that you know, they know who you are. And they're not going to judge you even a single bit when you share your deepest, darkest secrets. Any place where you still have secrets is an area where you don't have breakthrough yet and you don't know how truly you're loved. But a lot of us have experienced times where we've shared secrets with people and they've reacted wrong or they ended up judging us. And we shut down and we're like, I'm never doing that again. But the problem is we have to do that again. We can be more wise about who we're sharing that with and we can ask Holy Spirit to lead us. Who is the person, God, that you want me to entrust my heart to right now in this season? And, it, you know, and there's a lot of healthy people here in this church that I know can handle it because this is the least judgmental, least religious atmosphere I've ever been in. It's a great place to do that. So I would encourage you guys to do that and don't be afraid of the mess that comes out. The other responsibility is to bear. is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I was reading that last night. I was like, wow. We bear one another's burdens. We're fulfilling the law of Christ. And we're enabling each other to live a holy life from a place not of striving to live a holy life, but we're allowing each other. If we're bearing each other's burdens, we're, we're enabling each other to step into something that we can't do on our own. And I would love to see this uncomfortable, willing-to-be-embarrassed, raw culture invade a church because there's not gonna if we can go there there will be no place like it because the, the most the most radical i've ever seen is this men's group in reading most radical i've ever seen but most churches just can't handle that they they can't handle that level of intimacy and transparency and being real with each other in fact a lot of men would even leave that group because they couldn't handle going to those places and if we can go there, it, it, will, it will create an atmosphere where people are going to come in here 
and they're going to feel the difference. They're not going to feel that. Pla- I don't feel that here anyways, the plastic fantastic church, but, <laughs> but, but even more so because, because I know for a fact that we all have struggles and there's probably multiple men in this room that can really identify with the sexual struggle I'm talking about, women as well, but then also fill in the blank. There's other things that you maybe are struggling with financial stuff, but you're too embarrassed to talk about the debt you're in. That stuff needs to come out into the light. That stuff needs to come out into the light. Everything in the light. Everything in the light. With the right people. With the right people. But then if someone comes to you tonight, today, tomorrow, and dumps their load, what are you going to do? Because the other flip side of this is we can have a culture where people are sharing things, but if people don't know how to respond to people getting really, really crazy with all the, all the stuff, then, then we, don't, we want to minimize that hurt thing that happens when people share their secrets. We want people to feel safe. And I think the first thing is that we need to have a revelation of who we are. And then when people come and share their stuff, we need to have such a revelation of the finished work of Jesus and who he has made us to be that when they share their stuff, their stuff does not taint the revelation of who they are in heavenly places. So they're sharing all this crazy stuff and we see who they are. We see how righteous and holy they are. We see how awesome they are. And none of that even affects us. We're like, yeah, okay. Do you know you're holy? Yeah, I mean, we don't even need to say, you don't need to say that necessarily, but you be with them in it. But nothing can taint your perspective of another person. How we see other people is just as important as how we see ourselves. Right. Listen without judgment. And to be a safe place, you need to have your lips sealed. So simple. Just stop. Somebody tells you something, stop talking about it. Don't talk about it. Like, it's so simple. Lips sealed. Confidentiality. If someone's sharing something with you. Because if we're going to bear one another's burdens, we can't go and air one another's burdens. And when someone comes to you with a big problem in their life and they're trying to be transparent, one of our natural tendencies is, is to try and fix that person. Oh, well, I had that experience, and I did this, 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 and this. Now go on your way. <laughs> no, please do stop fixing people. We're not called to fix each other. That's not what we're here for. So if someone comes to you and has a problem, do not bust out your tool bag and start chucking wrenches at them. Just listen and do what the Scripture said to do. Pray for one another that you may be healed. If you could just be someone that would listen to them, be with them where they're at and what they're going through, prophesy into those places that they just shared with you, speak truth about their identity, love them and pray for them, and encourage them that they got this and that they're going to get through it, and that that is what people need. They do not need your tools. If we could refrain from that, I believe that will be a safer place for people to share things. So to share and to bear. So with all that said, I think after getting the revelation of my identity, 
learning how to have true relationship with people, getting that breakthrough in purity, I am now living a life where I, the carrot that used to be dangling in front of me, that holiness carrot, I, it's in my mouth. I'm tasting it every single day. I'm eating the carrot that was once dangling in front of me. And I am walking in, in not an arrogant way, I'm walking in a purity that often people said was only possible when you get to heaven and die. When this revelation clicked in, temptations literally ceased in my life, which is also a contradiction because people think that we are created to battle temptations every single day as if that's the abundant life that Christ promised us. And that is just not it. We get to enjoy an effortless morality. And, there, and it's not going to take a lifetime. That's the other thing, is that often we think we've got to be in this lifetime process until we can, maybe when we're 80 years old, we'll be able to figure it out. No, it's not going to take a lifetime. It just it takes putting in the time of actually sharing what's going on in your heart so that your heart can receive the truth of who you are. Okay, let me see if I have anything else. And we're going to move into some ministry time around this. Oh, that thing I really wanted to say. It is a, a regarding purity, but if the only reason that you're not looking at porn on your computer is because it's going to send an email to your grandma or to your best friend, then you're not free. Being sexually free is, has nothing to do with having some program on your computer. I have never downloaded a program on my computer. And the freedom that I'm walking in, you know how much more of a boss you feel like in Christ? Yes. When you have no restrictions, I can look at anything at any time. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is right there in front of me, and I can look at it, and I can just know I'm okay and know who I am. There's no fence around it. I can eat at it if I want, but I'm not gonna because I know who I am and it's that simple. That's when, that, when you are there, it feels so good and it's not far off and it's amazing. And then you're like, I could slay a dragon. And then your Christian life's not about overcoming sin. It's about overcoming the world. You know, you're like, I'm going to go and take on, I'm going to expand the kingdom. I'm not trying to clean this up anymore. I get to actually do what yeah. this whole thing is about. That's good. Wow. That's good, Will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's be that uncomfortably raw church. Let's be willing to be embarrassed. And to potentially be ruined because of something that somebody found out about us and then just laugh about it. You know, I, really, it's... So here's what we're going to do. We have about 15 minutes left. We have prophetic ministry today. And when I was in that men's group and we would spend about five minutes dumping all of our guts on the table and then, then we would lay hands on each other and we'd prophesy. That's all we would do. Spill your beans, get prophesied over. Spill your beans, get prophesied over. Spill your beans, get prophesied over. Over and over and over again for three years, every Monday night. Spill your beans, get prophesied over. 
It was, always, it was just, it was like over and over and over again. So what I'd like to do is have the prophetic team come up. We're going to do some ministry time. Awesome. You guys, will you guys come up here and just line up right now? And, and walking in that purity that I'm talking about is not an arrogant walk because you know it's a gift and you know it's been freely given to you. So there's not really an arrogance of like, I've attained some holiness or righteousness. It's more like, oh my gosh, I actually get to have this? Like, it's just given to me for free. So I'm going to pray. And what I'd like to have happen, if what I've been talking to you about has been stirring your heart and there's things that you feel like you need to get off your chest, start up here today. We're going to put some worship music on in the background. And I encourage you to come up and share things that you need to share. Get that house cleaned up and allow the prophetic ministry to impact you in those places. I, I can guarantee if you do that, it'll be some of the most powerful ministry you've ever received. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, Give us the grace to, to share our burdens with one another. God, give us the grace to bear one another's burdens. Give us that revelation, God, of who we are in you, and give us the ability, give us your eyes to see others the way that you see them. Holy Spirit, just hover over this room right now and shine your light on areas that need to be brought to the surface. And give us, give us grace to share those things. Give us, give us the ability to articulate what's actually happening in our heart. Yeah. If we've been numb, God, I pray that you would loosen us up so that we can feel again and we can express where we're at. God, give people clarity today of who their mothers and fathers are, yeah. who their brothers and sisters are that they can trust with their heart. Even just right now, while we're sitting here, if you could just ask Holy Spirit, who, who are those people in my life? You might see their face, you might hear their name. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. 